Turn to Matthew 11. Got you this morning, didn't I? Turn to Matthew 11. I'm going to take a break from Acts for just a Sunday. I was thinking about Acts on Monday, and I knew we were going to, you know, we just got through with the, the first missionary journey. You know, after you've been a long journey, you need a little rest. And I was thinking about rest and how, you know, th- this is a, it's a push, all right? I, I, I'll give you that. I, uh, we push pretty hard from the pulpit, and we push pretty hard because the Scriptures push us to do things for the Lord, to live for the Lord, and that's all good things. But I also got thinking about everybody out here in this crowd this morning. And you guys are facing things in different ways. Some things are really hard. Some things are really tough. Some things are really good. Um, And sometimes we just need a big catch our breath and rest, you know? And we're going to get to that in the morning, but this morning, but I, I, the first thing I thought about when I thought about rest was the verse that we're going to read down here in 28, come to me all of you that are weary and burdened, I'll give you rest. But as I got reading this chapter, I, I thought it fit so well with us. And, and looking at Jesus in this chapter is a picture of Jesus that you don't see very often. Can you imagine Jesus getting frustrated? We don't think about that much. We think about Jesus was God in, in human form, and he's God is love, and he was all about people. You ever get frustrated? I know some of you do because I see you take it out on Facebook sometimes. And you know at the bottom we put ran over, all right? That's what we say, R-A-N-T, rant over. All right, I've said my piece, my rant is over. This morning in Matthew 11, Jesus goes on a rant. And at the bottom, he's going to say, ran over, and he's going to pray for us. And the reason he's upset is because he's got so much for the people here. And here, 2,000 years later, he's got so much for us, and everybody chooses to do it the hard way. Amen? We like to do things the hard way. And here are the people in Tiberius and Capernaum and Sidon and all these different places, they were just doing it the hard way. And the amazing thing is standing right in front of them was a son of God. Not words on a page or not by faith, but he was standing literally in front of them doing miraculous things. And they're still scratching their head going, I wonder if this is the Messiah. And I'm not so sure 2,000 years later that a lot of people in the world are still scratching their head going, is this Jesus really the real thing? Is this really what my life needs? Or is there answers somewhere else? Tired, worn out, and burnt out. If you're sitting here as a parent this morning, you've probably felt these very things from time to time. If you're a boss at work, you've felt these very things at some time. If you're married to someone, you've felt these things at one time or the other. Let me hear an amen, Dana. Go ahead. All right. We got that out of the way, Gary. I'm good. That's out of the way. But we feel these things, guys. I'm going to do something this morning I usually don't do. I'm going to read from the message. 
And, and I'm doing this because I just want us to understand it in our language. And this, the message is a, is a book, is a Bible version or translation that just writes it in everyday language. And if you can, you can follow along in your NIV or whatever you've got, King James, Matthew 11. But what I'm going to read from it will be, and it'll be up on the screen, I'm going to read from the message. And, and I want you to just to walk through this with me and see being frustrated. You ever been frustrated? Have you ever tried to help someone and they didn't seem to want your help? Everybody shake their head. Yeah. If you got kids, everybody shake their head, especially grown kids, all right? You tried to help them and they didn't want your help. You knew best for them and they didn't want it. You knew they were headed down the wrong road and they didn't want it. You know what? Our Father in heaven sees us on a daily basis and he knows we are headed down the wrong road and he's screaming at us and trying to get us to change and trying to get us on the right path and we're going, I don't want it right now. I got this. I know more than you right now. And that's what we're saying. That's what we're saying. Let's read together. Matthew 11. When Jesus, Jesus finished placing this charge before his 12 disciples, and you can read that charge in Matthew 10. He, he's just telling them, I want you to go out. I want you to take the news and the good news to the Jews. And he said, this is some of the things I want you to do and not to do. But he, he gave them a charge, and he sent them on this special mission to spread the good news of the gospel. He went on to teach and preach in their villages. He, he sent them off, and he kind of went out by himself, teaching and preaching in the villages. John, meanwhile... That's John the Baptist, had been locked up in prison. John was just a prophet. John was one that would tell people the Messiah is coming. And he was a different kind of fella. We'll talk about that in just a minute. When he got wind of what Jesus was doing, he sent his own disciples to ask, are you the one we've been expecting or are we still waiting? Now, you can hear the frustration in John's voice a little bit. John's been preaching the word. He's been telling people Jesus is coming. And he's really excited about the Messiah. He's really excited about what God wants to do. And he looks up and finds himself in jail. What in the world? What are you doing, God? You ever ask yourself that during the week? You ever ask God that? God, what are you doing? God, I went to church four weeks in a row. I've been reading your word. I've been praying. What's going on? I'm sitting here in this jail, so to speak, in my life. And John's ha he's having the same feelings. We see a lot of frustration in, frustration in this chapter this morning. And so he, he sends a couple of his followers over there. He said, go ask this of Jesus. Are you the one we've been expecting, or, or should we wait for someone else? And you can imagine what Jesus felt at that. But guys, we're no different than John the Baptist. We've asked these questions before. God, are you going to do something? God, are you going to take care of my family or not? God, you know I've been waiting on a new, a, a new job, and, and Lord, I'm still waiting. God, you know I've been having marital problems, and I, I'm still waiting. Lord, you know my kids are just, they're burdening my heart. I'm, st I'm still waiting, God. And we question the very sovereignty of God. We question whether he's really in control or not. 
our faith gets a little bit flustered. We feel discouraged. We feel alone. Has anybody ever felt that in this room this morning? We do. Let's just be honest. We feel that way. A lapse in faith. Not disbelieving, but just a lapse in faith. You know, we know it. We know the right answers, but we just start questioning. Verse 4, Jesus told them, go back and tell John what's going on. The blind see, the lame walk, lepers are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, the wretch of the earth learn that God is on their side. Is that what you were expecting? Then count yourselves most blessed. It's almost like Jesus said, well, I don't know. Um, You know, John just had one of his followers ask, are you the one or should we expect something else? And Jesus said, well, let's, let's think about this a minute. Um, I touch people that can't walk and they walk. I, I touch their ears and they can hear. I touch their eyes and they can see. I've even done something that they didn't even predict the Messiah would do. I've raised someone from the dead. What do you think? You know, they kept... They kept wanting Jesus to give them a sign. Show me a sign. Show me a sign. And I think 2,000 years later, guys, we're the same way. God, I need another sign today. I need you to do something really big in my life so I can really make sure you're there. Guys, me included in all this, sometimes God just wants us to trust him. And you know what? And this is really hard for me because I like to have everything figured out. Sometimes God doesn't want us to figure it out. He just wants us to trust him. And it gets really difficult sometimes. Sometimes he's just saying, trust me. And you can almost hear him saying that to John. Now, he's not chastising John. He's not rebuking John. He's going to bolster John's faith. And he does that to us if we'll ask him. If we'll pray, we'll read his word. He he bolsters our faith and we realize, oh, what what am I complaining about? Sometimes we go, God, are you, are you really there? Oh, let me see. Let me see. Uh, you're breathing. You've had plenty to eat today. You've got nice clothes, and you've got a car to drive, and you've got a home to live in. You know I love you. I, oh, by the way, I, I died on the cross for you. And again, God's he's not talking down at us, but he wants us to understand that it's okay. I'm here. I'm not going anywhere. John, John the Baptist, I know you're in jail, but I'm not going anywhere. It's going to be okay. And guys, listen, the sad news is John lost his head. John the Baptist was was beheaded for Christ. And sometimes we want to think, okay, God, make it all better. Verse 7, when John's disciples left to report, Jesus started talking to the crowd about John. He sends them on their way, and he just starts talking to the crowd about John. So what did you expect when you went out to see him in the wild? A weekend camper? Hardly. What then? A chic in silk pajamas? Not in the wilderness, not by a long shot. What then? A prophet? That's right, a prophet. Probably the best prophet you'll ever hear. 
He's the prophet that Malachi announced that he, when he wrote, I'm sending my prophet ahead of you to make the road smooth for you. Why, why did you go to listen to John in the first place? Why, why are you here at church today? Why are you here? Are, are you expecting God to do something bigger and better and bolder in your life? He can do that. He can do that. But some days he just wants you to come near and let, him, let, him, let me hug you, he said. Let me take care of you. Let me hold you. Let me give you rest. Are you looking for riches? Are you looking for the truth? And that's what he's saying here. And, and so many of the people, guys, so many of the people in that day thought when the Messiah would come, when this Messiah they've been predicting for all the Old Testament would come, he would set up an earthly kingdom. He would put all the Jewish people in charge. He would make them all rich, and they would have a better life than they ever dreamed before. And Jesus wasn't like that. Jesus didn't come saying, let me make you rich, let me give you money, let me give you more and more stuff. He said, follow, my, follow me. My way is not always easy. You'll have to take up a cross and follow me. And that is not what they wanted to hear. Jesus, you can feel Jesus' frustration. What, 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 do, you, what do you want? I have something very wonderful for you. But everything that you equate to wonderful is stuff. Is finances, is money, is bigger and better and bolder. And Jesus said, my way is not this way. His ways are not our ways. His ways are different. Verse 11, let me tell you what's going on here. No one in history surpasses John the baptizer. But in the kingdom prepared for you, the lowliest person is ahead of him. For a long time now, people have tried to force themselves into God's kingdom. But if you read the books of the prophet of God's law closely, you'll see them cultivate in John, team, teaming up with him and preparing the way for the Messiah of the kingdom. Look at this way. John is the Elijah y'all been expecting to arrive and introduce the Messiah. For a long time now, people have tried to force themselves into God's kingdom. Some wanted it completely tore down. Remember Herod wanted all the baby boys killed when Jesus was born? Some, all through the Old Testament, the devil is constantly trying to keep Jesus from being born in different ways. They call it the red thread of the gospel, and God's plan just keeps going, and it keeps moving, it keeps coming, and it comes right down to Jesus being born and growing to be a man and being crucified on the cross and rising again. And as hard as the devil tried to stop it, as hard as try, people try to shut up God, as hard as people still in this world today are trying to get Christians to shut up, God's word will prevail. It will go on. There's encouragement there. To be a citizen of the kingdom is greater than to announce its arrival. You're all bent out of shape. You're all excited about John because he got to say the Messiah is coming. That was a great thing, don't get me wrong. He stepped out on stage and said what the whole Old Testament was saying. A Messiah is coming, a Messiah is coming. John the Baptist steps out and says, he's here. But Jesus says, even as great as that is, it's still not as great as being a part of the kingdom of God. 
We think something has to be bigger and bolder, and we have to be bigger than life, and everybody look at me. And that's not what Christianity is about. Christianity is about everybody pointing to Jesus and said, there he is. There's the one that can change your life. There's the one that can change your life. And sometimes when we get frustrated and we get tired and we get worn out and we get burnt out, we look at ourselves and say, things aren't happening right for me. And I get discouraged and you get discouraged. But Jesus said, remember, look at me. Look at me. Keep trusting me. Keep trusting me. You know, you've heard me say before from this pulpit, living the Christian life is hard. And I don't know if that's right or not. We'll read here at the end of this scripture that Jesus says, take my way upon you, take my yoke upon you because my way is easy. It's not hard. I think this, guys, the more I think about it, I think not living for God is hard. I think living for God in this world is hard. Because there's all these things bombarding us. There's all this craziness bombarding us. And that's why Jesus is so frustrated in these scriptures. He knows that he can help these people. He knows he can help us. He knows he can do something great for us. He knows he can take the burden off of us if we will just trust him. And yet we try to do it our own way. And it gets hard. When you try to step out of God's way and do it your way, it gets hard. And even when we're following God, this world is going to continue to beat on us. And it's going to continue to beat on us. It's going to continue to beat on us. But Jesus says it doesn't have to be that way as far as you don't have to fight this by yourself. I will be there for you. And that is great encouragement. It's great encouragement. And then he says in 15, are you listening to me? Are you really listening? Are you listening to me? And then he just really gets, here, here's I guess is where you say his rant starts. All right? How can I account for this generation? The people have been like spoiled children whining to their parents. We want to skip rope and you're always too tired. We want to talk, but you were always too busy. John came fasting and they called him crazy. I came feasting and they called me a lush, a friend of the riffraff. Opinion polls don't count for much, do they? The proof of the pudding is in the eating. I love the way he presents that. What, what, are you, what do you want? What, what are you, you're never satisfied. You've asked for a Messiah, here I am. It's not what you thought it would be, so you want another one. You ever try to keep a five-year-old happy? You ever try to keep them happy for more than 10 minutes? Whatever makes them happy 10 minutes now won't make them happy 10 minutes later. They want something else. We're a lot like that. We're never satisfied. We never get up in the morning hardly and say, God, you know what? Today I'm just satisfied for what you gave me. God, you've done so much for me. I, I just want to say thank you. Maybe you do that. I hope you do. I hope, I hope we all do. But Jesus, you can just see him being so frustrated. What do you want? 
What do you want? Nothing is good enough. John come preaching the gospel and you got him in jail. I've come to make it available to all so that it's not just only for the rich, it's for anyone, it's for everyone that will call upon the name of Jesus. And I went and ate with sinners and I've tried to show them the light. I've tried to show them salvation. And you talk about me about that. What's he doing over there eating with them prostitutes? What's he doing over there with those tax collectors? What in the world's got into this man? Does he know he don't belong with them people? I love what Jesus said about that time. He said, the well don't need a doctor. The sick need a doctor. And you know what the first thing is about being sick to go to the doctor? You need to realize you're sick to go to the doctor. Now, I don't like going to the doctor. Y'all know that. But there's times when you got to just say, I'm sick. I got to go to the doctor. And that's what Jesus said. He said, the well don't need a doctor. If you think you've got it all together down there at the church, you don't need a doctor. And that still breaks my heart about people when you invite them to church. They say, oh, my life's too messed up to go to church. (laughs) Join the crowd. Amen? We're not here because we got it together. We're not here because we got everything in a row. We're here because our life's messed up and we need Jesus. Everybody say amen. Amen. We need Jesus. We're not going to find him out there. The world's not going to come to you and say, let me tell you about a man that can change your life. They're not. Only this word does that. Of course, you can read that anywhere. But you can see the frustration. He said the proof of the pudding is in the eating. And that's that's kind of a neat thing to think about there. Jesus said, you remember when there was a bunch of people following him? And they had just come back from having the 5,000 feeding. You know, everybody had a big dinner. And they kept following him because they wanted to have, they wanted to have breakfast the next morning too. They, they liked the free dinner. He said, look, if you're really going to follow me, you're going to have to eat my body and drink my blood. They started looking around at each other. This man's crazy. And the scripture said, and many that followed him, followed him no more. One of the saddest scriptures in the Bible. What do you mean by that, Brother Todd? Unless you take me all in and let me be all there is in your life. Let me be the number one thing in your life. Let me be the Lord of your life. Let me be over your problems. Let me be over your good times. Let me be over your job. Let me be over your your marriage. Let me be over your kids. Just take me all in. You can't go about this halfway. When you go to Eaton, if you're like me, you go to Eaton. I get serious when I eat. John seen me eat yesterday. You know, I'm just, I'm down here, buddy. I'm eating. I mean, it's not time to talk. It's time to eat. You know? When you come to God, as he said here in the message, the proof is in the eating. Do you, have you really took him all in? Or are you just taking an appetizer every once in a while? See, we think we can just take a little bit of Jesus and a whole lot of the world, and we can kind of mix those two, and everything will make sense, and it won't. We got to have all of Jesus. We got to take him in. We got to eat it. We got to eat it and eat it and take it. Take him all in and make him every, every bit of us. So that when, we're, when we live, we're so full of Jesus that he just, he just 
comes out. Verse 20, the rant's not over, by the way. Next, Jesus let fly on the cities where he'd worked the hardest. People that had the greatest privilege. Listen, when you've had great privilege, you have great responsibility. Everyone in this room, for the most part, has probably heard the truth of Jesus Christ. That is an awesome responsibility. Because when we hear the truth of Jesus, guys, our responsibility is to go and share that gospel with people around us. Jesus let fly on the cities where he'd worked the hardest, but whose people had responded the least, shrugging their shoulders and going on their way. I can change your life. I'm the bread of life. I've come to give you a new life. Mm, Doesn't sound too important to me. Can you see the people of the day still shrugging their shoulders? A lot of people shrugging their shoulders. Doesn't mean much to me. Because of the blindness of Satan. Because of the darkness that they live in. Doom to you, Chorez. Doom, Bethsaida. If Tyre and Sidon had been half the powerful miracles you've seen, they would have been on their knees in a minute. At Judgment Day, they'll get off easy compared to you. And Capernaum, with all your peacock strutting, you're going to end up in the abyss. If the people of Sidon had your chances, the city would be, still be around. At Judgment Day, they'll get off easy compared to you. I don't think he's mixing words right here. What are you doing? Look at the opportunities you've had. And by the way, the cities he's mentioned, there was four major cities in the region of Galilee. There was Choraz, there was Bethsaida, there was Capernaum and Tiberias. Choraz and Bethsaida, they're so wiped out, you don't even know where they are today. You can't go over in the Middle East and find where they even were. They don't know where they were. Capernaum, they kind of have an idea, but there's not much left. The only one that he said didn't say doom to you was Tiberius. And guess what? You can go over there today and, and go to the city of Tiberius and go right in and, and visit Tiberius. You know what it says in Hebrews? It is a dreadful thing to fall in the hands of a living God. Listen to me, guys. God is, is offering. He's offering. He's offering. He's offering salvation. He's offering a better way. He's offering all that you can ever imagine. And he said, if you say no, it's not going to be good. It's not going to be good. I can change your life. I can do wonderful things. Think about what he said here. The people of Sodom will not have it as bad as you have. We think about Sodom and Gomorrah. We think about the worst place ever. We think about the worst place ever. But he says here that if the, if the Son of God would have walked in bodily form and just walked into Sodom and Gomorrah, those people would have probably hit their knees and been saved. But here you've got the Son of God standing in front of you, and you just shrug your shoulders and go, no big deal. Sometimes in our life we've seen God show up and show up and show up and do things for us and do things for us, and then we get to the point where we go, I don't know if God can do this or not. I don't know. I don't know. It's pretty tough. Do you know there is nothing too hard for our God? There is nothing too hard for our God. Nothing. Nothing is too hard for our God. Everybody hear that? Nothing is too hard for our God. And nothing means nothing. Nothing is too hard for our God. And right here we kind of see 
See if I put up there, ran over. That's what we see on Facebook when people go off on something and they put ran over. Look what Jesus does. Jesus doesn't, you know, he didn't scream as far as, he didn't get all bitter about it. He didn't get all sad. He just, he just goes right into prayer. We could, we could learn something from this. Verse 25, abruptly, Jesus broke into prayer. He's not cynical. He's not vindictive. He says, thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth. You've concealed your ways from sophisticates and know-it-alls, but spell them out clearly to ordinary people. Yes, Father, that's the way you like to work. And he's not saying that rich people and uppity people can't be saved. He's just saying anybody, no matter what you make a year, whatever, if you are proud, you're not going to get there. It comes to the humble. It comes to the ones that will humble themselves. The ones that say, I'm not in control. The ones that say that I don't have to be the boss. The ones that say that I want to turn it all over to Jesus Christ. That's what I want to do. Now, let me finish here. Look at 27. Look at the change. Jesus resumed talking to people, but now tenderly. Look at it, now tenderly. And you can almost see him begging. You can almost see him down on one knee. You can almost see a tear in, in, in Jesus' eye. Listen to what he says. The Father has given me all things to do and say. Pe- people listen to me, he says. God has empowered me to do many wonderful, awesome things. This is a unique father-son operation coming out of the father and son intimacies and knowledge. No one knows the son the way the father does, nor the father the way the son does. But I'm not keeping it to myself. Listen to this. I'm ready to go over it line by line with anyone willing to listen. Amen. Jesus said, if you've seen me, you've seen the father. I've come to, to be. I'm God. I'm fully God, but I'm fully man. And he said, I'm not, I'm not, there's a lot of things that you might not ever understand about God. But he said, the things that I want you to know, I will sit down with you and I'll go over them line by line so that you'll know. This is not something that's hard. This is not something I'm trying to hide from you. This is not something that I'm making abracadabra where only a few can get the trick. He said, I'm willing to go over it with anybody line by line so you will know what I can do for you. Y'all realize that this morning? He's willing to do something wonderful for you. Now our verses. Are you tired? Worn out? Burn out on religion? And he's talking to these people that, guys, they're trying to keep all these laws. And they're just saying, you're not good enough. You're not a good enough Christian. And, guys, I, I, I see this a lot today. And the things that I read and the, the things that I research, they're, they're seeing, and, and, and good-meaning people. Good, good preachers and good, good men of God. And it just seems like, and I understand that we need to be encouraged to do more for God and all that. I understand that. But it just seems like somebody's always writing something about, unless you're doing this, this, or this, you're not really a Christian. Unless you're doing this, this, and this, you're not God's. Unless you're doing this, 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 you really don't have the faith that you need for Jesus. And that's what he's talking about. Are you burnt out on religion? Are you burnt out on just doing goods and, and do's and don'ts? Are you tired of that? Is it so oppressive? And Jesus says this, come to me. Come to me. Get away with me and you'll recover your life. When life gets so hard, 
and so full and so difficult and you're so tired and you're worn out and you're burnt out, you can hear Jesus say, come to me. Come to me. Come here. I'll take care of you. That's what he was so upset about. He wanted to give these people something awesome. And all they could think about is, are we going to be rich? Are, are you going to set up a kingdom or we'll be in control? What, what do you, what, what's it about? You know, and he's, he's trying to tell them over and over. He just preached a sermon on the mount, one of the, the awesome, most awesome sermons ever. And they're still sitting there going, I don't get it. Come to me. Get away with me and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. That's a beautiful thought. The unforced, unforced rhythms of grace. We have, we have looked at serving God as such a burden through the years. And you still hear it when, when you ask people if they want to give their heart to Jesus. And, and all you, a lot you hear is, oh, I'd have to give up so much, Brother Todd. I'd have to give up this, and I'd have to give up that. And I'd have to quit doing this, and I'd have to quit doing that. And you don't, I don't think you ever see in Scripture where it says, Jesus says, if you want to come to me, you've got to give up a bunch of stuff. He said, just, just come to me and let me love you and let me show you how to live and all that other will take care of itself. It'll take care of it. That's what he's saying here. The unforced rhythms of grace. Live in grace. Live in my grace. I don't, I don't think I understand that yet. I'll just be honest with you. We live in a world, and, and we grew up in a world that if something bad happens to you, you done made God mad. If you get a flat tire, God's trying to tell me something. If one of the kids are sick, oh, I wonder what, I wonder what God's mad at me about. Somebody told me off at work today, I wonder what God's trying to tell me. Sometimes it's just this old crazy world. And God says, when it gets crazy out there, come to me. Come to me. Come here close. Come here. I'm going to take care of you. I'm going to unfold my grace on you some more. I'm going to show you a little bit more grace. Live, live in grace. Don't live in bondage. Don't live in oppression. Don't live in trying to keep all the rules and do's and don'ts. Come here. Come here. Come close to me and live in grace. I won't lay anything heavy are ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me, and you'll learn how to live freely and lightly. Now, does that sound, does that sound hard? He talks about, if you look at it in the other translation, he talks about, take my yoke upon you before for it's easy. If you've ever, and we got to go way back to before tractors and all that, but there used to have this thing called a yoke. And it was a wood bar and it had a big loop. And it had another big loop. And you'd go out there and get your cattle or your oxen and they'd stick their head to that loop. And you hardly ever seen a single yoke. It was always a double yoke. 
It was always made for two. Two oxen or two bulls or, or two cows, whatever, would pull that. And Jesus said, look, I don't make a single yoke. I don't strap that on you and say, all right, go live the life. I'll be here back here clapping for you. He said, come on, come to me, come here, here, you get in the yoke. I'm going to get in the yoke. Now let's work together. Cause I don't want you doing it on your own. It's too hard on your own. Amen. It's too hard on your own. We've all tried it. We've all tried to live that way. He said, come to me. I'll give you rest. I'll give you rest. Maybe today you're struggling with a relationship. I pray for you. Maybe today you're struggling with kids. I pray for you. Maybe today you're struggling with parents. I pray for you. Maybe today you're struggling with work. I pray for you. Maybe today you're struggling with finances. I pray for you. Maybe today you're struggling with spirituality. Brother Todd, I just, I try to come. I try to do what God wants me to do. I try to, I try those things and it just seems like before we even get through Sunday night, I'm just doing the wrong things. I pray for you. What I want you to know today, guys, and you already know it, but I want you to know that you can rest and find rest in Jesus Christ. He will give you rest. This world is so stinking hard. It's so difficult some days. But Jesus says, come enjoy the rhythms of grace. Come hear the sweet music of amazing grace, how sweet the sound. Saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found. Was blind, but now I see. Do you hear the rhythms of grace? Come to me. All you that are weary and heavy laden, I'll give you rest. I love you. There's so many people living life hard that don't have to live life hard, Jesus said. And that's what he's saying to these people when he got all upset. Why are you making this so difficult? Why are you living life so hard? It don't have to be that way. Because the creator of the universe, kind of wrap your brain around this with me if you can just for a second. The creator of the universe has promised you that he will walk alongside you and take your burdens and help you through this life. That's huge. That's the God we serve. It's not some God way, way out there, and I hope he hears my prayers 10,000 light years from now. When you get on your knees, when you bow your heart in prayer, he's there. He knows. He cares. Come to me. Come to me and I'll give you rest. 
Would you bow your head with me this morning? I want you to just quietly there, you and God. I want you to ask him to give you rest. And here's how I want you. I want you to say, Lord, I want you to give me rest from, and you fill in the blank, from my worry of my job, the worry of my relationship, the worry of my marital status, the worry of my children, the worry of my parents, the worry, the worry, the worry. Lord, will you give me rest this morning? Ask him. Ask him. Lord, I love these folks. And Lord, I know you love them 10 billion, million, million times more. Lord, I know they're hurting in lots of ways because we all hurt in different times and different seasons of our life. And Lord, I know we worry about things and you tell us not to be anxious about anything. And I know my family out here is worried about things this week. I know they felt so burdened sometimes that they didn't feel like they were going to make it. And Lord, I just want to pray for each situation. Lord, I, I, have not, I don't have perfect knowledge like you do. But Lord, I know you and I, I just pray that you will help them this week. I pray that, that you would just hear those prayers, and I know you do, Lord. I don't even have to ask for that, but I just pray that you will hear these prayers of rest. And, Lord, then I pray that my brothers and sisters in Christ here this morning will allow you to give them that rest, that they will, be allow, they will allow you to give them that rest. Lord, I pray right now that they can hear you say, come to me, come to me. Lord, I pray right now they can feel your arms of love wrap around them and your rhythm of grace surrounding them as they ask for help and they ask for rest. Lord, this old life gets very hard, living in a sinful world, and Lord, you knew that. That's why you asked us to follow and trust you way back in the garden, and we thought we knew more. But, Lord, you have not left us in this sin-forsaken world. You have come to us through your Son. You've come through it through the Holy Spirit. And you continue to reach out to all those that will come and ask for help. Lord, you're not willing that any should perish. And you're not willing that your children should have it rough. And, Lord, we know that there's difficult days ahead. We know that this life is going to just knock us off our feet on many occasions. But, Lord, may we remember that you can give us rest, and that you can be there for us. And Lord, I pray that all my brothers and sisters here this morning will leave this place feeling refreshed and clean and a lot lighter because you have said, I will take care of you. with your head bowed and your eyes closed. Let me give you just a few more minutes. We're going to play just a little bit of our song this morning. And you continue to ask him for rest. Because you're going to, 
It's real easy to pray a minute and then you're going to be right back to worrying. You continue to let him, go, let him have it. Just continue to give it to him, all right? Continue to ask him to help you rest as the music plays. And then you can praise him like this song does and we can just give him hallelujahs for what he's done for us. <laughs> 